Sunday school classroom. We had a poster on the wall, and it was a little boy who was obviously being ornery and dirty. And it said, I know I'm special because God don't make no junk. And I don't know why that poster still sticks into my mind, but it does. It's still in my mind. Uh, God made creation. And so that is one reason why we know that it is good. Do you know the early Christian creeds, all of them, have a statement in there saying that God made the heavens and the earth? Do you know why they all have to have that statement in there? Because nobody believed it at the time. Society didn't believe that God made the heavens and the earth. God, there were two prevailing views. One was that the creation was eternal with God. It was co-eternal with God. It had just always been here. And two, that creation is bad. That creation is this kind of prison that we are trying to escape and get to some sort of higher realm. Both of those are wrong. To both of those, the Jews and the Christians said, no, God, the one and only God, a personal being, made all of this. And he don't make no junk. They didn't say that. But the poster in my Sunday school classroom did. And in my mind, that's up there with the church fathers. Creation, number two, is good because God said so. I already read it to you. Len read it to you six times. And then I read it to you once that at the end of creation, God says, hey, not only is this good, this is very good. God said so. And like I've told you, the, the goodness of creation never mixed. The third one, creation is good because God owns it. God owns it. It's his. It's his possession. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all his. It's his property. Still, even in its sinful, fallen, broken state, it's still his. He owns it. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Can we include everyone in it as well? It all belongs to God. We'll talk about this more too. Next week in our, in our faith and finance class, we're going to ask about uh, how much money is enough money. That's going to be a good question, a good conversation, huh? And we're going to realize part of that conversation, it's all God's. Before we get it, while we have it, after we lose it. It's still, it's his. He owns it all, okay? Third, fourth, I don't know what number we're on. Told you I was going to go fast. Creation is good because God is revealed through it. God is revealed through creation. Creation is like the straw that gets you to the Coca-Cola. It's the telephone that gets you to Nana's voice. All right? Creation is good because God is revealed through it. The church fathers told us that God is absolutely, completely hidden and incomprehensible, except as he chooses to reveal himself. So if God, if God doesn't reveal himself to us, because we're finite, we got teeny tiny brains, we only see what's right in front of us, we can only understand a tiny portion of reality, right? And God is so big... If it were up to us, we wouldn't understand anything about God. He would be hidden 
and completely incomprehensible. So the only reason we can understand about God is because he's revealed himself. How has he revealed himself? Through created stuff. Through his creation. Church Father Irenaeus says, in creation and redemption, God has he communicated himself. That's the way he puts it. God has communicated himself and can therefore not remain entirely concealed from any man. Scripture tells us the same thing. Psalm 19 says creation is a preacher. It says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Romans 1.20 tells us that for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Creation is good because without creation, well, there wouldn't be us. And if there was only us, there wouldn't be any other way for God to communicate himself to us, for God to reveal himself to us, to teach us who he is, to show us himself. Creation is good, next, because God loves it. God loves the world. He loves stars. He loves comets and galaxies and algae and, 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 and paramecium. And he loves all the stuff, even like creepy, gross, disgusting stuff to us. It's not creepy, gross, or disgusting to him. He made it, and it's all God's purpose. We can misuse it, right? We can take something and use it for a bad purpose. But the thing itself, no created thing is by itself bad. You ever think about that? There's, there's no created thing that by itself is bad. It can be used for bad things, but created things, they're just, they're just things. And God loves it. God loves them. John 3 for God so loved, what? The world, right? That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let me tell you, a lot of evangelicals uh, change the Bible and they corrupt the Bible. For God so loved people. That's how they change it. They change the scriptures. What's God say about changing the scriptures? Don't do that. Don't do that. The scripture doesn't say for God so that he does love people because people are part of the world. People are a really special part of the world, made in God's image, right? After the people were made, it's when we go from good to very good. Of course, God loves people. That is a true statement. But that's not what the scripture says here in this spot. The scripture says God so loved the world. And the Greek word is cosmos. For God so loves the cosmos that he sent his only son. He sent his only son to the cosmos, not to condemn the cosmos, but to save the cosmos. God loves this place. He loves it. 
not just people. He loves the world and everything in it. Creation is good. Next, I don't know what number we're on anymore. I did not number them. I should have numbered them. I didn't number them for you either, so that's okay. Next, creation is good because God sent his son to save it. Well, maybe this might be the weirdest one for some of you. God sent his son to save it. Wait a minute. Come on, Reasoner. He sent his son to save me, to save souls, right? Yes. But that's not all the scripture says. That's not all the scripture says. Same verse, John 3, 17. God didn't send his son to burn it to the ground. God sent his son. God dignified by creation, by becoming part of us, by walking on the land that he created. By drinking the water that he invented, by breathing the air that he designed. And then most explicitly, most convincingly, Colossians 1, Paul writes this. The Son is the image of the invisible God. More echoes to Irenaeus there. God is all hidden unless, unless he decides. Yeah, the invisible God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the first born over all creation. For in him, in the Son, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through the Son and for the Son. Another echo to God owns it all. It's all his. Hmm? The Son is, the, is before all things, and in the Son all things hold together. And the Son is the head of the body, the church. The Son is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything the Son might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all God's fullness dwell in the Son. I hope it helps that I'm replacing the pronouns, yeah, with the subject. For God was pleased to have all God's fullness dwell in the Son, and through the Son to reconcile to God's self souls, people. What's it say? All things whether things on earth or things in the heavens, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The whole creation is being reconciled to God through what Jesus did on the cross. It's that big of a deal. It's that powerful of an act that he performed, of a sacrifice that he made, reconciling all things to him. Do we have just one more? We have just one more, right? Creation is good because God will dwell in it forever one day. Creation is good because God will dwell in his creation forever one day. 
the story of the end times in the Bible is not the story of believers being raptured to a heaven that is somewhere else while this place burns. Let me say that sentence again, because I know it makes for really good TV and book sales, but it's not what the Bible says. The story of the end times is not the story of believers being raptured away from this place to some other place heaven while this place burns. When, if it, when burning language is used in the Bible to talk about the future of the world, it's because the world will pass through a fire in the sense that gold passes through a fire to be refined, to be changed, to be transformed, to be reborn. Again, Paul in Romans writes that the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. So the creation is going to be liberated, set free, right? That's not destruction language. The creation is going to be set free from its bondage. If anything, it's in bondage of decay now. The end times is an end to that decay. It's going to be set free from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So instead of people ruling creation in a sinful way, they're going to do it in a godlike way. We know, verse 22, Romans 8, 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grow inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption to sonship. The redemption, our adoption to sonship, what's that mean? Going off, our souls going away from our bodies into some other place called heaven someday? No. What? The redemption of our bodies. Physical, created, flesh and blood bodies. That's what we're waiting for. And, of course, John writes in Revelation 21, his vision. He sees, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And by passed away, just like a human's going to pass away. You're going to pass away. I'm going to pass away. But we're going to come back, right? We're going to be resurrected. Okay? So the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old, old order of things has passed away. <clears throat> Still creation. It's a city. It's a city, right? We have bodies, redeemed bodies, that live in this city. And we're not whisked away to some space dust cloud. No, God has instead come to us. It's the same story from, from Exodus. 
when he comes to dwell with them in a tent, and then in a temple, and then in the New Testament, he doesn't live in the temple anymore. He lives in you, the people who, who by faith accept his son. He lives in you. You are the temple. The whole story of the Bible is God coming here, not us being whisked away to him. It's God coming here to save, to remake, to redeem, to inhabit this world because this world is so good, because he made this world, because he loves this world, and because he has a future plan for this world. So by all means, as we, as we think politically, as we think politically about what could, pro what could maybe be better about the society that we've made, don't mistake that talk with religious talk about when Jesus comes again, when God's people are revealed. We're just going to do our best, and as Christians, we're going to try to influence, because we've been given that gift to influence. Most, most Christians weren't able to influence their governments in, in the history of the world. We, 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 can, we can influence our governments, especially our local governments, and our school boards, and our committees. That's where we can really have influence. But goodness, how much time are we spending thinking about stuff that's big, be way beyond our scope, and that we don't have any control over anyways. That we don't have any control over anyways. When there's a big, great, big, beautiful, beautiful world that God loves, that's really awesome, that he created to inspire you and, and to give you a sense of awe. And it doesn't matter if you take a shovel and dig a quad of dirt out of the ground and, and stand in awe. Take a pine cone off a tree and stand in awe. Look at a child and stand in awe. Look in the mirror and look at your eyeball and stand in awe. Look at the stars at night and stand in awe. And I invite you, I invite you to the, the time that you spend this Lent in fear or in worry or in argument, Try, just try to equal it. Just try to come up and equal it with the time that you spend standing in awe of this great, big, beautiful world that God's given you to and that God is revealing himself to you through beckoning you to come to me because I love you so much. I have a future for you. But if you don't come to me, yet you don't. The future is only in Christ. There is no future outside of that. But he says, for anybody who will come to Christ, anybody, anybody at all, no matter your past, no matter what you, what you got right, what you got wrong in your life, anybody who comes to Jesus will be forgiven, will be adopted, and will be remade. Will be remade. It starts right now. It starts right now as you're plugged into a body, like a church, like this body here, as you're plugged into this family, you're remaking. It starts right now. You start to care more about others than you did before. You start to love God a little bit more than you did before. You start to, as the opening devotional, you start to be able to deny yourself. You start to see the benefit of denying yourself. You start to see, you know, you start to learn that right now. But then one day, you're going to be resurrected with a new glorified body, and you're going to be standing with Jesus in person in this remade world. I mean, if you think a pine cone's interesting, what's a pine cone in the new heavens going to look like? I don't know. It's going to be pretty cool. That's what your future has in store for anybody who will come to him. Put your faith in Jesus. Repent of your sins. Take the first step. Follow him. Follow him. And you too will be adopted into this forever kingdom. And that's what we have to look forward to as citizens of heaven.
citizens of heaven first. Citizens of America just for a minute. But citizens of heaven first and forever. Okay, let's pray.